All right, we're in a series uh, called Vital Signs, a pathway to deep beneath the surface transformation. And our title uh, this morning is Relax, the gift of silence and stillness. So if you need a Bible, raise your hands and we'll get you one. And I like to say, I want to always remind you, no iPad. we're not giving you an iPad. We love you. you know, no free phones, but we'll give you a Bible. Now, it's interesting, our title is Relax, because I was supposed to actually preach this a month ago. And, uh, but I had a biking accident. Some of you know that. I fell off my bike and uh, uh, broke my wrist and actually my left elbow. So I had two hands like this, you know. So I was on a bike having a really nice time. And then three hours later, I was like getting ready to go in the operating room. And, uh, you know, all these nurses and doctors around me, I'm signing this form. Like, you know, if you don't wake up in anesthesia, you know, we're not responsible. And I'm like, this is not good, you know. And I think my blood pressure was like through the roof. And I'm not a guy with high blood pressure, you know. And, and I was like, what? You know, and the guy's, oh, you're in shock. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so anyway, here I am thinking about preaching a sermon on relaxing. And I was stressed to the max. But I tell you, God has a sense of humor. He really does. So the opposite of being relaxed is being stressed or tense. And they say two-thirds of every visit to a doctor's office is stress-related. Uh, it's like an epidemic. I was with a pastor last week, and uh, he actually, in Brazil, he oversees 10,000 churches. Can you imagine? The stress. Like, directly. Like, nobody in between. And uh, he had just had a stroke. He's 51. A mild stroke. And he went to the doctor. The doctor said, there is nothing physically wrong with you. I mean, your heart, every, everything in his body goes, this is pure stress related. And, uh, and so, I mean, if you're between the ages of 18 and 33 in this room, which means you're a, what's called a millennial, they say that 52% of you, you are under so much stress that it keeps you up at night. I see a lot of nodding heads in here. I mean, stress contributes to all kinds of things, heart disease, liver disease, you name it, respiratory disorders, cancer, all kinds of stuff. So, and, and they say that 25% uh, of us in this room are workaholics. Okay, now, in fact, they did a big study at the University of North Carolina, and they define workaholism as a, you're overworking, you're unable to stop, and you're unable to bring balance into your life. In fact, if you're an executive in that level of, you know, in the workplace, 98% of executives work at night and on weekends, or doing emails, etc. If you're a professional, any of the professions, 94% uh, of you work more than 50 hours a week. And so what happens in, in this workahol, if you're working too much, workaholism, you actually develop a, a physical, chemical dependency on work. And so it's kind of like cocaine, that your body actually demands it. And if you pull away from working, you go through withdrawal symptoms, much like drugs or, or alcohol. And so... Um, now, I don't, you know, we got folks from a lot of different countries here. Now, this was a, a study they did in countries whose workers take the most days off and work in countries where people take the least days off. Now, watch you to notice, Japan, five days off a year, vacation days. That's it. All right, North Korea got seven. Now, that's not a happy place, as we know. I mean, I, mean, I want you to notice, the United States and Mexico is ten. It's not a lot. So, I mean, Spain, France, Brazil, I mean, they're, they're 30. Okay, that's not bad. In fact, in Brazil, it's, it's government regulated. You get paid to go on vacation extra. So you can have a nice vacation. I like that. And, uh, in fact, the United States, uh, 
most people do not take their vacations, the full vacations. They say there's 577 million unused vacation days every year in the U.S. That's a lot. Now, if you were, you, some of you may use Evernote on your uh, phones or computers. It's a way to organize your calendar. It's an app. At Evernote, if you work for Evernote, they actually give you incentives so that you will take your vacation time. I like that. I don't think they're in New York. That's the problem. So it's interesting. We work, most, we work more than most other countries. I mean, it's in the bloodstream here. So now the world offers a lot of ways to relax, right? I mean, you go, on, go to Cancun, go to Dominican Republic, you know, go to a spa, go to Spa Castle in College Point, you know, get your massage done, go to the beach, go hiking, nature, whatever you do. And that's all good. Libraries. I was at a book, bookstore the other day. I was like, I just, books just make me feel relaxed. You know, I just feel nice. And it's all good. But the Bible actually... And, and Jesus actually offer us uh, a means of relaxing that is much deeper. And it's internal, and it's so deep that if we will learn it, it, regardless of what the external circumstances are around you, you are relaxed. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're on vacation or not, it's, it's a depth of relaxation that if you'll get it and, and allow God to build this into your life, it will transform you all the time. Okay, so here's our text. Our text comes from John 6. So if you have your Bibles, turn to that text or phone. John 6, 16 to 21. It's one of the stories of Jesus in the storm. And it's a very popular story. This may be a, a different storm. Uh, they were in a few different storms, storms. Jesus has a tendency to send his people into storms. Have you found that out yet? Kind of gets you in a boat. He throws you out into a storm. Everything's going good. So you can count on that. So here's, thus says the Lord. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. Some versions say they were terrified. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Again, let me say it one more time. He said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. All right, let's begin this message with a question. What anxieties or fears are you carrying today? Okay, I want you to think of one or two big ones. Somebody's had about 30 or 40, all right? Now, I just want one or two right now. What anxieties or fears are you carrying today? Health, could be your parents, your children, a relationship. Maybe somebody's upset with you. Uh, maybe it's you're getting into a school. Maybe it's work-related, your boss or employees or coworkers. Uh, maybe it's your future. Uh, perhaps it's... It's financial. Uh, I don't know. But what is something you're carrying today? Just keep that in mind and hold that. What's your storm? Because uh, the nice thing about the story is the context. It's, it's dark. There's a strong wind blowing, and the waters are rough. It's a nice description um, of, of life, being in the middle of the sea, and it feels like Jesus is absent. And Because uh, we all have those times of anxiety where it's dark, it's stormy, it's windy, it feels shaken. Where's this whole thing going? And it's so interesting because what happens is Jesus shows up. He approaches the boat. He's walking on the water and says they were frightened. Now, 
Actually, it says literally, they were terrified. Now, I've never been, you know, that completely dark, three more, four, four miles out. And, you know, you know, people don't walk on water, obviously. I mean, you know, I mean, Jesus walking on the water and, uh, you know, heavy bodies are supposed to sink. And uh, Jesus is walking on it and it is, it's just frightening to them. And, and so Jesus says to them, you know, it is I. You know, you don't be terrified. Don't be afraid. Tremendous words here. And, and he reveals himself as this, you know, it, it is I. Let me go back for a second. It is I right here. Now, that literally in the original language is I am. He reveals himself as uh, the I am. That is like the, that is the name, a uh, core name for God in the Old Testament. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Exodus 3, when God reveals himself to Moses, he says, who are you? And God says, I am. And that's the name repeated throughout the Old Testament. God reveals himself. Who are you? I am. I just, I am. Past, present, future, all wrapped in one. I just am the eternal God of the universe. And Jesus walking on water, and he reveals himself as, I am, don't be afraid. That's it. Now, when something happens here, it says, then they were willing to take him into the boat. I want you to catch this. They didn't have to take him into the boat. They could have just remained terrified and anxious and stressed. But they made a decision to trust him. And they invite him in the boat. Now, I want you to catch it. There's two miracles in the story. One is he's walking on water. That's a miracle. But there's a second miracle in the miracle. They invite him in the boat, and it says immediately the boat reaches the shore. Catch that? Immediately. Invite Jesus in. Boom, they're there. It's a great truth here. When you invite Jesus into your boat, you reach your destination. You've arrived. It's done. They invite him in the boat, they're on the other side already. It's an incredible, deep, profound, simple truth. When we take Jesus into our lives, when we're willing, we're going to call it to trust him, which they decide at that point. At that moment of your trusting, inviting him in, you actually have arrived already at your destination. Now, the whole purpose of the Gospel of John, and actually the whole purpose of the New Testament, is that you and I would trust Jesus. It's only not very complicated that you'll trust him. You'll invite him in the boat. Now, actually, the Gospel of John itself, 98 times we're invited to, tr- to believe in Jesus. or to, Actually, believe means to trust in Jesus. The end of the Gospel the Apostle John writes, Jesus performed many other signs. He has writing the whole book. Turned water into wine, you know, and healed the paralytic, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe, or the word actually in the original is that you may trust that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing, that is trusting over and over and over, you may have life in his name. Do you understand? It's, it's in trusting Jesus when you invite him, it's a night, I love the image of inviting him in the boat. Whatever you're going through today, you'll trust him and invite him in, you'll arrive. The sea's calm, the light shines, the wind stops, you have arrived. Regardless of what's happening exteriorly here. So 
I, I, one of the scholars that Rich and I love the most is a guy named Frederick Bruner. He's a brilliant scholar, writes commentaries, and he's probably our favorite of all are out there. And here's what he writes about this word believing or trusting uh, in, the, in the, one of his great commentaries. He goes, relaxing in is a good modern translation of trusting in or believing in. It is the goal of the entire Gospel of John to create this relaxation. In fact, he writes later, he goes, if you're relaxed, it's actually the source of obeying all his commands. Because you're fine. He'll take care of it. I'll do what he says. So, listen, I, I understand that when I became a Christian, I trusted in Jesus. I, I, he died, I believe he died for my sins. He rose from the dead. And I became a Christian. I, I receive you, Lord. I trust you, Jesus. Come into my life. That's trusting. But the point of this text, the point of the whole Gospel of John is, it's not just something you do once to become a Christian. It is really the whole Christian life is over and over and over again on a daily basis. You and I are making a decision to trust him. We're making a decision to let him in the boat and come on in, Jesus. That is the essence. That's, that's why we're here today. That's why everything we do at New Life is to move you to trust in Jesus. Every time you read scripture and you're worshiping, you're in small group, you're serving, all the things we talk about here at church on Sundays, it is about trusting Jesus. I love it. Now, here's the problem. The world is filled with anxiety. I mean, we're surrounded by it. Stress and sweating. and I mean, I mean, that's us. Physically, all these aches and pains and just stressed out. I mean, I love that picture. I, that, I, I, I get it. And, and what God's after is, is to so transform you that you become this. <laughs> and if you don't like dogs, you become this. <laughs> For all you cat lovers in there. Or you become this. But I like this the best. <laughs> now, if I could summarize the one thing I want you to walk out of here with, and this was to me the, the, the turning point of this text was, how do I know if I'm trusting? I'm trusting in Jesus is equals relaxing in Jesus. And the reason that word relaxing I found so helpful because I can get a hold of that relaxing thing. In other words, I, I, can, I can monitor that. Your body feels it way before your mind gets it. Your, your body can feel the, the, the sweating, the, you know, your stomach's tense, your shoulders are tight, your neck feels it. Your body feels the adrenaline in it. And so the invitation here is, is, to, is to relax. So, so I love Jesus says, I am, you know, don't be terrified. Let me go back for a second. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he actually says it later in this chapter. Whoever comes to me, this is this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes over and over to me will never be hungry. And whoever trusts over and over will never, ever be thirsty. Here's what he's saying. If you will learn to trust in Jesus, the simple, over and over again, he says, trusting people will never hunger or thirst for anything else in life. Now, you may have goals and things you want to do and all that. But if you'll be trusting Jesus, inviting him into the boat as an image here, Jesus says, you will be incredibly content. You will be so happy and joyful, you will want for nothing else. 
because you have everything you realize life could possibly offer. You have him in the boat. You have Jesus. You know, the definition we call of, of, of loving union is that we want to be inviting Jesus' presence and will into our lives. It's easy to, quote, go to church and, and be a Christian, read the Bible, but everything's out there. And Jesus talked about that in Matthew 7. Many will come in the end times and say, I, I cast demons out in your name, I prophesy in your name, and I did miracles in your name. And Jesus says, I don't even know who you are. Who are you? And Jesus, I never knew you because she says, you never let me in. You always had a wall up. You didn't let me in the boat. Listen, how many of you today are looking for guidance for the future? So I, I'd, I'd like to know, like, what to do, what school to go to, and should I marry, or who do I marry, and do I date this person, or do I move here, and how do I, set, how do I prioritize my money, and how do I set priorities for my life, and what do I do this summer, all this stuff. And here's a great insight. You know, they came to Jesus in John 14 and say, Jesus, Thomas says, we don't have the foggiest idea of where you're going. Like, what are you doing? Where, where are we going here? Looking for guidance. And Jesus has this great word. He goes, you want guidance? He says, I am the way. So think about that. You want to know where to go? Jesus says, I am the way. Come to me. That's it. I'll take care of the rest. If I don't know where to go, come to me. I am the way. I'm what you're looking for. I'm your destination. I'm everything your heart longs for. I am the way. And if you have that, he is the direction you're looking for. you got to invite him in the boat. So I love when Jesus says, I am. He says to you and I, don't be terrified. Now listen, I don't know your family and your culture and where you grew up. But, you know, I mean, I know anxiety. My, my mother had a Ph.D. in anxiety. I mean, you talk about genogram. Um, it's in my DNA. And we pass it on in families and cultures. I mean, I remember my mother had some. My, my mother, my mother had anxiety about everything. I mean, I, I remember I, I played high school basketball, and my mother was into psychics and gypsies and all that stuff, you know, tarot cards. She was all kinds of craziness. And I remember, I remember my mother coming to me, and I, I had a basketball game like in another town, and she screamed, "You can't go!" I said, "Why, why can't I go?" She goes, "The bus is gonna crash." I said, "How oh, yeah, the bus is gonna? It's a bad luck if you get on that bus." And she's screaming at me. All right. But I live like this, you know, like this. Hey, Mom, I'm getting on the bus. I'm going to play the game, you know. But my mother, my family had so much anxiety about so many things. I mean, I, about new situations, about rain, about sunshine, about success, about failure, about the future, about the past. I mean, it was just, I mean, you know what overfunctioning is? Overfunctioning is doing for other people what they can and should do for themselves. Some of you are overfunctioners in relationships, at home, at work. That's all about anxiety because you're afraid it's going to fall apart if you don't do it. So you hate them and you hate yourself. You're all, you're just, it's all anxiety. And, and so, you know, I, I was on the line getting a ticket for the Long Island Railroad the other day. I was in Penn Station. And it was like a little, you know, it was like six, seven people. And the guy, in, the guy in front of me was so anxious. I mean, he went into anger because this woman was using coins, the exact change to get her ticket. And it wasn't going real well. And she couldn't find it. And he is, I mean, he is flipping. I'm thinking, I'm doing a sermon on relaxing in a few days. I mean, it's going to be all right, you know. But I'm just watching him, and I'm like, wow. I mean, this is where we live. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere, right? I mean, I got an uncle. My, my, my uncle, they don't get on airplanes. 
I mean, he's 79. He's still, he, he got an airplane once in his 20s. That was it. I mean, a little turbulence. That was the end of that. Now his wife, his kids, nobody gets on planes in this Gazzaro family. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, so I'm saying, I understand anxiety. I mean, I barely trust Google Maps and Waze. And they got satellites up there watching. I'm like, how do they know? You know, how do they know? I, I get, when I get lost, like, outside New York, I get very nervous. My wife knows. I kind of, my body begins to, like, freak out. Like, like, where are we? There's no street lights here. And, you know, I just don't, everybody knows what's happening here. I, so it's funny. You can trust Jesus and become a Christian but still have a lot of anxiety in your, in your system. And see, the invitation of this text is, no, we are invited to live a life relaxed in Jesus. That's discipleship over and over again. So it was actually in 2003 that I began to understand this. I, I began to get it. And I, take a, I took a sabbatical, Jerry and I, for four months. And we were going to monasteries to learn from them. And, and that's when I my, my first experience of silence and stillness. It was really from the monks. And I remember, like, like whoa. Like, I could feel my body change. I could feel what it meant to actually be relaxed and to let go. But it was in the context of these rhythms with silence and, and, and solitude. Uh, and so, I mean, it's funny because I, I knew the verses, like, you know, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. I knew Psalm 37, uh, 7, where it says, uh, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So, so this idea of being silent and still before God is actually commanded in Scripture. But I just never did it. I, just, I knew it intellectually, but it wasn't part of my life. But that's when I began to actually do some and began to say, whoa, this, this relaxing in Jesus, uh, silence and stillness, it, it needs that to actually relax. Without that peace, it's not going to happen. And I, and I realized at that point, not just, I'm, I'm a high extrovert, and I realize it's not just for introverts. Like every human being has a dimension that longs for stillness and silence. Every one of us in this room, regardless of your personality or temperament or particular occupation. And I realize that the Holy Spirit's inside of me, not just outside. I realize, you know what, God is saying a lot if I would just shut up and be silent. I, I, was, I was shocked how much God was talking. I had no idea. Then I realized God's working even when I'm not working. He's doing a ton of stuff apart from me. And, uh, and that waiting on him is a lot different than waiting for him to do something for me. So it was very life-changing, this relaxing into Jesus. Now, we've been in a series. You know, so the question is, am I relaxed in my body? Am, so you want to know, am I trusting Jesus? I want you to move that question to, am I actually relaxed? And so we've been in this series on the seven, seven vital signs of a deep beneath the surface spirituality. And Rich gave a couple sermons on Scripture and then Sabbath and last week, uh, Greg talked about spiritual companions and our need for that. But what we want to say to you is that for a deep spirituality in a place like New York, in a place like in the Western world, silence and stillness needs to somehow be in every one of our lives. We have to figure out what is that going to look like for you and for me if we're going to actually live a life of trusting and relaxing in Jesus. Now, it's going to look different for all of us, but how do I get that in? I love when the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk is, 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 is the context in, in the Old Testament. The, the, the Babylonians are about to come and wipe out Israel. It's like ISIS being on the doors of New York. And they're about to come in and wipe the city out. And Habakkuk the prophet says, why, God? Why are you allowing us? What's going on? Where are you? And here's what God says to Habakkuk. He says, Habakkuk, 
The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Habakkuk 2.20. In other words, I am, do not be afraid. Be silent and be still. I've got everything under control. Relax. Love that. Now, listen, Jesus likes to test us from time to time by bringing us into difficult, sometimes it feels like impossible situations. So the question is, how can I trust in Jesus in those situations? How can I relax in Jesus? And so today I want to close by inviting you to, to stillness and, and solitude. Now, uh, it's the way I measure myself. So what's interesting is that I didn't just have six weeks ago this biking accident where I was in two casts. I mean, it was, it was terrible. I hurt my foot. I mean, I was limping. I'm like, you know. And then on top of that, about two weeks later, uh, my identity got stolen. You've heard about it in the newspapers. I mean, that never happened to me. But on such a level that every single thing in my life, from banks, my bank account, to credit cards, to Skype, to Amazon, uh, every, everything got broken into. So now I got to got copy my passport picture. I mean, it was, I was getting phone calls from 8 a.m. in the morning to 11, 10 to 11 o'clock at night dealing with fraud issues and thousands of dollars being spent on my name. Banks are telling me, you're overdrawing your account. And I'm saying, I don't even have an account with you. How do I overdraw your account? You know, it was that kind of a thing. And it was so intense. I was like under siege. It lasted about two weeks. I mean, don't worry, it's over now. It's over now. And actually, we found out from which country it came. So if I don't talk to you at the end of the service, I, I just need a little break right now. But, I mean, when I tell you that, like, and not only was I, you know, limping around, but I was, like, now under siege. And it was, like, four people at New Life, like, working with me to close all the doors. We'd shut one door, and they'd come in another door. And they were coming from every, and it took, like, for two days, four of us were working day and night. And finally, we closed it all up, and we're okay, you know. But I love you, but I just need a break right now. But it really was interesting because the, I'm telling you, I, now I've been working on silence and stillness, and I'm still growing in it, just so you know. I mean, I, but the, the, it, was like a, it was like a full frontal storm, you know. And I just remember saying to myself, I can't imagine if I didn't have some dimension of silence and stillness in my life, at least some practices and some disciplines. I don't know what would have happened to me. Because the stress level, I mean, the anxiety level was, you know, was quite high. So what we do in silence and stillness is we actually, like, as, as followers of Jesus, we express our intention to surrender to the presence and the action of Jesus in our lives. In other words, the storm's going on, we're going to be still, and we're saying, okay, Jesus, basically, I'm inviting you in. I'm opening up myself to you in stillness and silence at your God. It's a spiritual practice. Now, um, that's why for us at New Life, we know once you taste it, if we can get you over a line to actually taste stillness and silence, it will pull you forward and you can't live with, you can't, you will not be able to live without it. Now, I actually, every morning I do 20 minutes. I set my timer on my phone. I do 20 minutes as part of my spiritual practice with scripture and everything else. And and, uh, but during the day, I have these, maybe a minute, three minutes here, five minutes here. I just, I need moments of silence just to trust in Jesus. Because my life, like your life, a lot of stuff's whirling around. And I just want to get myself, okay, Jesus, come on to the boat. 
And, uh, you know, it anchors me. That's why our EHS course that we do at New Life for everybody in our church goes through it. But one of the core things that our EHS course is you begin what's called daily offices, two minutes of silence uh, in the beginning and the end and twice a day for eight weeks. Because we are initiating people into silence. And I'll tell you, every course we do here, people say, this is so hard. This doesn't work for me. It's terrible, you know. And we say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Relax, you know. And uh, because we understand that we're rewiring your whole body. We understand the depth of transformation we are seeking to lead you into. And it is challenging initially. It feels like you're going to go under the water if you open up. Now, this, now, in the culture, this is called, they call it a form of silence. Silence and stillness is a spiritual formation discipline. It's something in scripture. But what you have in the culture right now is something called mindfulness. Have you all heard of mindfulness? It's like the big buzzword and the rage of the culture. And uh, mindfulness is, you know, it's basically silence and stillness without God. And, you know, there's benefits to it. And, and, and so you, kindergartens are doing it. Schools are doing mindfulness. Prisons do mindfulness. Hospitals do mindfulness. Sports teams do mindfulness. Workplaces do mindfulness. Hip-hop artists do mindfulness. All right? And so the Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl recently. And there was a big article, and a number of articles written about it, how, how it's, the article said how meditation won the Super Bowl. Because what the coach did was he hired a sports psychiatrist or psychologist to teach the players meditation or mindfulness over a couple of year period. And they, they, their Super Bowl final game was almost flawless. And everyone said, how did you do it? He says, meditation, you know. And, uh, you know, this whole idea of becoming aware and, and balanced, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what's interesting is this mindfulness thing, which is now the big thing in the culture, all these studies have been on, done on. I mean, there's so many studies how if you will be silent and still, now I'll say before God, and you'll do it for like, say, eight weeks, just even five minutes a day, it will transform and change your brain. Physically, you'll, you'll be relaxed. You won't be as triggered. You'll be more aware. Things happen to us. In our bodies, because God built us. You understand? Your physical body, your emotional person, your spirituality, you were created for a dimension of your life to have some silence and solitude. Only it was meant to be before the Lord. We're not Buddhists, we're not Hindus, we're not folks who believe, believe in God. This was created by God as a gift for us. Now, the culture can benefit, and that's wonderful. God bless them. I'm happy they're doing mindfulness. I'm like, oh, I'm all, that's fine. But for us, this is a core spiritual practice and a way that God transforms us. So what I want to do is I, I want we're actually going to do it together here. And um, we're going to practice stillness and solitude just for a few minutes. Because you understand, like, just the fact that you do it is trust. If you'll do it in the presence of God. See, what makes us unique, and you're going to hear about people doing mindfulness, and I'm really happy it's being used in schools and urban areas. I think it's great. I think I'm, I'm all for it. But I want to fill the content with its, with its origin, with its God who fills the universe with his love and his presence. And we of all people should be the most relaxed folks in the culture. Could you imagine saying, look at those Christians, how relaxed they are. I mean, could you imagine such a thing? I'm scared. They look at us like, these people are crazy over there, out of control, you know. So, all right, here's what we're going to do. And we've done this before, so some of you are new here. And, and uh, so, so your invitation is this. I'm going to invite you to, to uh, we'll just do two minutes, all right, together. I'm going to encourage you at home. I want to invite you to do five minutes a day to start, five. And then maybe build up to 10 or 15, but just start with five. Now, it's going to be very difficult in the beginning 
because your mind is going to be flooded. Your mind's going to start racing. And that's okay. My, my mind races, you know, often also. And so what you're going to do is, in fact, even as I'm talking around, just take a nice couple of deep breaths, you know. And the Eastern Orthodox churches of the Eastern part of the world, they are really into the breath of God and really into breathing prayer, they call it. You know, breathe in, breath of God through your nose and, you know, breathe out. And essentially, even as you do that, you feel it in your body like, Now, as thoughts begin to come into your mind about lunch and laundry and emails and texts and all that stuff, every time that happens, just let it float by. And just what I do is I, I just say, oh, I get distracted. Like, oh, Jesus. Come before Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Or Abba, Father. I'm just, I'm allowing myself to just be loved by him. I'm being still and, and silent before him as he invites me to. And I'm just, I'm allowing him to love me. I'm not trying to accomplish anything. I'm simply trying to be with him. Okay? So we're going to take two minutes. I'll be the timekeeper. And so you want to close your eyes. I, I like to put my hands up. I'm sorry, like this. I like to put my hands up like this on my lap. Because it's a, it's, for me, it's an expression of inviting Jesus in my boat. Like, okay, Jesus, come on in. I invite your presence and your will and whatever actions you want to take in me and through me. I'm open. Okay, so let's close our eyes before him. And let's begin. Amen. Let me invite the worship team forward. Now I put, if we put the PowerPoint back up, Michael, would be great. Now I put on at least my uh, Facebook and Twitter, and I'll ask New Life Fellowship to do the same. Uh, there's a, a sheet I wrote called 10 FAQs 
to practicing silence on the emotionallyhealthy.org website, Going Deeper Sabbath Resources. And it answers questions like, what do I do when my mind wanders? I don't have a quiet place at house or work. What do I do? Uh, what do I do if I don't have enough time and I feel rushed, et cetera, et cetera. But I can tell you this. If you will learn to relax in Jesus, um, your whole life will be changed. And, in fact, you're going to impact everybody around you because, you know, all this anxiety comes at you like, a, like, like electricity on a circuit breaker, and you just, you just absorb it, and you're able to stop it like Jesus did right there. Now, New York City was voted by CNN Money the number one most stressed-out city in the country. Okay, you live there. Now, you can move, but the problem is you go there, too. You know, it's inside of you. It's deeper than exterior. So uh, we need each other for this. We really do. Uh, but rest assured, if you're not in a storm now, you will be. You will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We all do. But the, inv the, inv the invitation of God is this, to move from that to that. I want to invite you all to stand with me. And you may be afraid of silence because stuff will come up. It's a storm. But you will find that he is there. And as Jesus says, silence is welcoming Jesus into the boat. It's relaxing. Where he says, I am. Don't be terrified. It's going to be okay. Let's worship together. As we close here, we've got the Lord's table to your right. We've got some prayer teams to your left. So I don't know where you are today, but I do have news for you that God brought you here. And he sees right where you are. And it's Jesus coming to you and saying, you know what, I am, you know, don't be terrified. You know, don't be afraid. So last week we talked about the need for us to have spiritual companions. We can't do this thing alone. So we'll have some prayer teams to your left. And I want to invite you, regardless of where you are in that journey right now, there are times we just need other people to pray for us. We just need other people to carry us to God. And I want to invite you to come forward for prayer. Don't rush out. They'll be here to your left. And you want to just receive, you know. You're just inviting Jesus in the boat. I'm going to relax, Lord, as best I can. But I even need some other people to come and help me. Because I'm that, I got that much going on inside of me. That much anxiety. But Lord, help me to relax, to trust, to let go in you. And he'll take care of the rest. He'll bring you to your destination. You will find out that he really is the way. And just having him in that boat is enough to have really arrived. All right, so as we close here, I invite you to open your hands up towards heaven. I want to speak a blessing and be dismissed. You want to, again, just receive right now. So may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine on you. And may the Holy Spirit breathe on you now to just calm you down, to help you see Jesus walking towards you on water, that you might hear his voice as, I am, don't be afraid. And may his peace flood your being. May his peace flood you to overflowing, that you might know a depth of transformation that would break every unhealthy commandment, the thing you've learned from your culture and your family growing up, whatever it might be, that you might be set free in Jesus. That you might leave here and offer a gift to the world of Christ Jesus inside of you who has freed you and taught you a new way. 
And may God give you grace to, to walk this path of integrating a dimension of silence and stillness in your life somehow. And may he lead you, may you be blessed, and then may you be a blessing. So I pray that over all of you in the name of Jesus as you leave here. And everybody said... Thank you.